Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clear Motive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions. Why I see welcome to my special guest on the show today, Miss Sophia Fairweather. How are you, Sophia? I am good. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm not was it did we get introduced by Jade Alberts per chance? I wouldn't be surprised. I've known him since like I was seven, eight years old. I've known oh, him for wow. a very long okay. time. So it's likely. It's very likely. Okay. I just had lunch with Jade. Literally, like I left lunch to come here and have a chat with you. Anyways, that's how Calgary works. It's the biggest small or Alberta. It's the biggest small small town ever. Let's introduce my audience to a little bit of who, so tell us a little bit, like, let's do the, I always joke, it's the quick little elevator pitch. Who are you? Kind of what do you do in the world? Maybe your age might be relevant to this conversation, even though it's not about age, but we're going to kind of make it a little bit about age. So maybe share a little bit about who you are with my audience and we'll kind of dive into it. Yeah, it's absolutely fair. I know that uh, for this conversation, we'll definitely be focusing on more youth topics. And the reason that I have an insight in that, especially in entrepreneurship and innovation, is because I am currently 15 and I have been in the entrepreneurial world since, like I said, around six, seven, eight years old. So I have a perspective uh, in those kind of things in a lot of different realms. I mean, I've more recently been in property, uh, but before then I was making products and that was my first kind of jump into the entrepreneurship uh, world and ecosystem. And I found that I've enjoyed uh, this ability to have that independence. And I think other youth also enjoy that. I mean, any youth, I know even in the teenage, like especially teenagers, now that I'm in that world, want independence. And this is a way of getting it. And it lasts for a very long time. It lasts. I mean, you can innovate. Innovation doesn't discriminate. So you can do it forever and ever. And it will always give you um, a sense of, I mean, the independence, but it's also a lot of fun. You meet some really great people. Innovation does not discriminate. That is that is the best line I've heard in a long time. Well done. I love that. Um, hey, okay. Just because my audience is probably like, wait a second, what? How did you get into entrepreneurship or even know the, know the word or family, friends, uncles, aunts, six or seven or eight years old? That seems like 15, it almost makes more sense, which is, is maybe yeah. that funny to say that. But six, seven, eight, was it a family member? Like, how did you find your way into it and even know to call it entrepreneurship at the time? Well, I honestly, I, I, well, I wasn't aware of entrepreneurship at the time. I mean, what I was following was the example of my peers, but also the very simple thing of just a lemonade stand. Um, so I, I was making lemonade stands with my friends, but to be honest, I sucked at it and I even ended up putting chalk in it once. And once I started doing that, I realized, you know what, maybe I should stay away from lemonade. Like I'm not having fun with it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so back to any entrepreneur's journey, uh, you, you had early failures, <laughs> yes. AKA, AKA learnings. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't think it was yellow enough. 
So I just hated the look of it. It was so clear. Um, <laughs> so I started making cookies and I enjoyed baking a lot more. And um, so I was, you know, I was giving out those. And then my dad said, you know what? Hey, like you can come to my work, walk around the office and sell these cookies. And yes. I was perfectly fine with that. And that is such a, I mean, I would, I would, if someone was just getting into entrepreneurship, even at my age or older, that's such an simple gradual way into it that's a lot more comfortable than I think when a lot of people think entrepreneurship it's very intimidating and it doesn't need to be at least at first um so I did uh cookies for a little while and then I realized that people were having coffee with their cookies and so because I was already going there I decided I should reach out to the people that were giving the coffee to this office and so I reached out to them and I ended up taking over the coffee region or whatever for that building because I was already going there every single day at least every work day and so I just go and replace all the ingredients like the creamer and I'd replace the coffee and so I was doing the cookies and the coffee at the very beginning and I decided after a while I think so I started that around six so I was like age six not grade six and I did that until I was, I believe, uh, I did that for like a year and a half. So I was around eight when I decided I actually want to do something more. Like I want to create something that was outside of food. I want to do something more. And so that's when I first made my ever product. And that was Fun Crow. And the reason I made it was really two components of I was in an art school. So I had this already kind of inclination of wanting to make things pretty. And my dad used Velcro to hold uh, his phone on his dashboard in the car. And I didn't like the way it looked and it looked really out of place. So I decided, you know what, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to try and make this pretty. And that was my first glimpse into, oh, wait a minute, this is something that I can't control as much. I need to go to a manufacturer. And so we went to local places, but we ended up using somewhere in China because they just had the supplies that made it work. And that was a great learning opportunity. I mean, it was great. And I, so I started selling these, I started promoting it, going to events. And it was during this fun crow kind of started by Sophia era, era that I started leading by example because like I said I was in an art school and it, people and adults would always think it was so out of place and that I should just be a kid while well, their kids were going to like championships and things like that for horseback riding and singing and dancing and piano and I didn't see much of a difference between that and mm, so I started just leading by example with my own products in entrepreneurship and innovation and of course I met some amazing people I did some presenting and I was just able to develop my skills and around 10, I had a chunk of money in my largest sale of Fun Crow, because that was my main product. I made a couple more, but that was my main product. I had a good chunk of money. I think it was around $72,000 at the end of the day. And I couldn't really do anything with it because I was under 18. And it, it gets even more complicated when you're under 13 as well. So <laughs> that, that, that barrier doesn't come up as often, but fair no, enough. <laughs> no, that's something that a lot of people don't bump into unless you are literally under the age of 18. There's a lot of restrictions, um, especially when it comes to banks and things. So I decided to put this and I decided to put it into a four unit property. Because my family was in the property fields, so I already had kind of um, an idea into it. And also it meant that I had somewhere, again, with that independence, I had somewhere to stay 
once I had reached over 18, I decided to go to university and have somewhere to live. And so we are currently living in one of those units and we are renting out the others. And then all that rental income looks after all the property expenses, including the mortgage. And there's $500 extra every month. And because I don't need to really put that anywhere, I am currently putting into saving or it goes into travel or kind of those other kind of fun little things. Um, so, but yeah, that's kind of where I am and I'm still leading by example, but that's something in the works right now where I'm trying to go to some other youth organizations okay. and actually going to the youth and trying to share the resources in the ecosystem because even parents sometimes aren't aware that Business Link and all these other places they're fine if a youth comes in, like actual youth, like under 18 comes mm -hmm. in um, and is asking for advice. I mean, they're thrilled about it. They're just willing to share and they're happy to invite them into the learning. And they're just not aware. Parents aren't aware, but especially the youth aren't aware. I'm curious from your perspective, because it's so easy to think of youth as a, as a disadvantage. You go, oh, you're young, you're 18, you don't know. In my experience, and you just touched on it a little bit, the willingness for of people in the business community, I'm just going to speak to the business community because yeah. I know the community, to help and to support. If you call me and tell me you're a student, if you tell me you're in a learning, in any learning environment, I will always give you the time of day. So I'm curious, when you were on your journey, kind of transitioning mm -hmm. from making your first product to talking to manufacturers, was there a point where being young was an advantage versus when it wasn't? And how did you balance those two out? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think I'll touch on the advantages. So yes. Mentorship, everybody is basically willing to be uh, like to be a mentor towards you. This can be a good thing. This can be a bad thing. You don't always want to take advice from everybody, but everyone is usually willing to <laughs> That help is good you. advice, Sophia. I'm going to take that advice. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I fell into this loop where I was the... A couple of times I was making presentations or proposals and I gave it to like five different people and I was just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> there was so much advice and changes and edits. It just wasn't my work anymore. So it was interesting, but people are always willing to help you and direct you to somewhere that can get help or give you a letter of support, those kind of things. Like people are usually willing to do that. Um, but also a lot of, um, because again, you're under like your youth is you can have a lot of PR attached to that. So if you, mm, so there's, I guess there's nice. two ways to look at that. If you get a lot of media attention um, because you're a youth um, and people will, that's kind of a clickbaity title. Like this 10 year old, it has like $72,000 <laughs> or whatever. It's very clickbaity. But also just in the everyday kind of context, if you're going to an event and you're networking and you say your age or just how you look, I mean, I don't look super young anymore, but I used to when I went to events. I mean, I was 10, things like that. And the way I presented myself was mature, but I did not look the way I was acting. So that meant that people were coming to me instead of me having to go to them. Mm, okay. And then and as people are also more engaged in talking with you because they're like, this is new, this is different. And then there's, of course, the mentorship part where they're always giving you advice, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. <laughs> um, but yes, there are positives to being a youth um, and then, of course, there's a couple negatives with it where, you know, you always kind of need a over 18 or if you are talking with someone, it reaches a certain point. I haven't really put my finger on the point yet, but they always want to go to the adult. And if there's an adult with you, that's why I had to distance myself from my dad, who was usually mm -hmm. one bringing me to events and tagging along with me. They will go to him and start asking him the questions um, because they, I guess they don't think I can handle it or I don't have the answers to it. And this is bad, first of all, because it's bad for your image. Um, and also it means that I didn't get um, all the opportunities I possibly could have 
with practicing um, how to answer those questions uh, or those pieces yeah. of advice or realizing, hey, I actually don't know the answer to this. Maybe this is something I should look into more. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of negative sides to that as well. Um, and that's definitely a negative that I've that's kind of in everything. Uh, it kind of sucks. <laughs> the limitations and the realities placed under the just classic under 18 bracket. And you, there's just legally yeah. limiting you, you're limited. I'm curious because I don't know your dad. Uh, how did your dad handle those situations when you coached him after and said, dad, you can't step in. You have to like not answer these questions for me. I'm assuming you coached him after this, these events. <laughs> well, instead of, I decided that because it's still useful to have him around. I still need a driver. So I can't just like <laughs> not have him there. Of course. Someone's um, got to drive you to the event, but poor dad exactly. is relegated to chauffeur i get it <laughs> yeah and also yeah we also joke that he's sometimes my security um so yep. yeah it's a lot of fun anyway so i have him there and so uh after a while we decided that instead of him being there he could almost be like um I'm not exactly what sure i know there's a word for it but he would go out and he would talk to people um and he is he is very good at like conversation and yep. he loves it um and very he, he, good he at was it. he was doing your lead generation he was out there doing your pr yeah, he was going out there yeah. talking with some people and yep. if there were some good contacts so he was essentially like another filter for like the other side of the room that i hadn't gotten to yet or if i was deciding to go to the booths and he was talking with the general crowd like yeah it was just a way of delegating without us being beside each other and once he connected me to the person he would go or if, or like he would give me context of what he had left off on with the person, then he would go. Um, just because then it's me talking with them. But even there was negatives to that because they were used right. to talking to him and now they're talking to me and they're like, no, you, you're not going to be the same level or caliber or same amount of knowledge as him. So there's always kind of... Fair, fair enough. There's stereotypes. You, you there's, the coin yeah. to it, but it's not, it was better than what was happening before. I appreciate that. What advice would you give somebody listening that maybe... You use the word delegating, and I often find in, in my career and sometimes delegation, communication, um, uh, negotiation, those are a lot of the things that sometimes are not inherently taught in school, but you use the word uh, delegation very early. And what advice would you give to somebody who's struggling to delegate, is struggling to build a team around them because like, oh, I'm just going to do it myself, or maybe because of age, it just feels less comfortable to delegate to someone who might be your parent or a mentor figure that's quite a bit older? Like, how did you learn to get comfortable with that? Or is that just something that was part of your DNA? I honestly don't know. A whole, I still have problems with delegating. I always have to remind myself that there are people around me that are willing to do certain bits of work for me or like do the editing for me and that they're willing to do it. Um, but a delegation. I don't know why. I I have found when I talk to especially adults when it comes to delegating, there is a certain way they react to it, and I don't really know why. <laughs> they just hate the idea of not doing it completely themselves. And I'm fairly comfortable with someone else doing it. I just have to remind myself to do it. And sometimes I do get caught in the loop where, like, I want to do this, and sometimes I think if I'm only doing it myself, I have more control over it, and it can happen faster, which is almost never the case. Especially, <laughs> I if appreciate your self awareness to... on that, Sophie. I know a lot of grown ups, quote unquote, that might not have that awareness. 
Yeah, so it does make things go faster and it also takes a lot of stress off of you. And if you know that they have better skills, I mean, I know that uh, someone I've recently bumped into, very good at writing proposals and talking to government. And I've had a lot of chances to talk to government. I still have no idea how to talk to them uh, and actually get things done and make things go faster. I don't think there is like the perfect way to do it. It still takes time to do a lot of stuff. Um, But he's a lot better than it than I am. So I will send emails to him and I'll say, will this work? And that's not really a delegation. In a way it is, but it kind of isn't. Uh, but it's also, I, co- it's collaboration and there's a balance. Yeah, of, it's collaboration. What I really love what you said yeah. is really understanding who's good at what and that they yeah. actually might be better at it than you and they might be willing yeah. to help at the same time, right? So it's and collaboration and delegation, yeah. Yeah, and if you pay attention when you're talking to them, you can see what makes them excited, what they enjoy doing. Um, and that, that's also another way to figure out how you can collaborate with them because they're more likely to, if they already like you and what you're doing, just that extra edge of doing something that they enjoy anyways, it's just going to make everything go smoother. And they're probably going to say yes. If you ask. That's very solid words of wisdom. Um, you went from product to real estate. That feels like a big jump, but obviously (laughs) you were looking for something you had, you had, you had available capital that you wanted to deploy into something. And like, and you said, sounds like your family already had, there were, there was some connection to real estate. Yeah. So kind of makes sense. Do you still have the product business or did you move away from that to focus on the real estate or, or are they all running congruently? Uh, I've stayed away from the products. There is sometimes where a couple of the products I see a way of like, like I'll be talking with someone and I'll realize, Hey, this product that I had, like for instance, Sassy. And right now I'm what well, kind of working, but also just know a lot of people with Ashray. Um, who's in that HVAC kind of field? I'm like sassy. It's like it, it's smart air sensor system, and then the I stands for IoT Internet of Things, and it just collected data from like smoke detectors and whatnot to tell you the cumulative effect of the health around you, like inside air quality on your health, because a lot of the um, the data that people collect that you'll see on like uh, I know here in Edmonton, it's on uh, train stops. Uh, okay. They'll have the air quality there, but that's for outside air quality. And we're not outside a whole lot, to be honest. <laughs> and it's usually better than the inside air quality. So that was a general idea of what Satsu was trying to do. The problem was trying to fix da 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 da. And like sometimes I'll pop up, but no, I've mostly left all that kind of behind with yeah. me um, and just kind of more of an example. And also, I feel like that makes me more um, relatable or it's more realistic hearing that I came from something that's actually measurable. And like, you can see the incline instead of just starting with like tech or something, which is very intimidating, especially to a lot of youth where they just don't have a lot of, um, knowledge in that space. Fair enough. And cumulative, uh, youth and the impact on our economy. And you and I talked about this a little bit offline. And part of what I was excited to have you on the show is everything i want to showcase here is economic transformation in Alberta with the underpinning that it's inclusive, that it comes from all places. Obviously, you are a living, breathing example of the positive impact economically someone can have, no matter what their age, like we take that off the table. What's your perspective on that? And obviously, you have peers, you have people in your age group. Uh, curious on your, is there other people like you out there that are like, oh, I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I don't like being judged because I'm young that I can't maybe have that impact. What's your kind of maybe philosophical view on that? Yeah, I I love this question because a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of different ideas of what youth are like if they're like they're irresponsible or they're the future of ideas. And to be honest, we're both. 
I mean, we don't know how to, I mean, I, or who does, but we don't really, we, we, we have to learn still how to, um, well, first of all, delegate, but we also need to learn how to uh, time control um, and mm, all those kind of things. Yep. But the thing is, we do have ideas. Um, and I think the best part about it is, I think, I think this is going to just kind of sum up my idea, is I'll just leave an example of what I've done. And now this is why I'm actually going to youth now with the specific purpose of telling them what's in the ecosystem where they can get supports is when I was leading by example with Startup by Sophia, I was going and I was presenting to girl guides and things like that. And people would be coming up to me, youth would be coming up to me afterwards saying, I never realized it, but I think this is something I would actually like to do. It's just no one has asked me if I want to do this before or that I just have no idea how to get into it. Um, but at the time, I didn't really know where to send them because I kind of started at, I started with cookies and I was like, that's probably, I mean, I'm 10 now and this is like a 17 year old coming up to me. Am I, am I seriously going to tell them get into cookies? <laughs> but now that I yep. know what I'm doing a little bit more, I'm like, I really the way I should have been saying it is get into something that's a lot more simple, a lot less complex or something you're already familiar with or like. Um, but at the time I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, people are coming up to me for advice. This is not what I'm used to doing. I'm not a mentor. I'm just doing what I'm doing and sharing my story. Um, so now that's what I am doing. Uh, but there's a lot of youth out there. They are willing to go and create and they like to have again that independence and I believe a stat that I found at the Kaufman Center was 67% of youth like that are under 20 they want to uh, they end up actually making startups and businesses with a program so that's 67% mm. and even if those fail they're 80, 82% are willing to try again and I don't remember exactly what the stats were for adults, but it was much less. It was much less. So that willingness to go out there and try, and especially something I like to, especially when I'm talking to parents, is say, this isn't something you have to put a whole lot of money into. It's not like going to dance where you have to drive them to recitals every evening. This is something that they can kind of do without having to buy all the supplies and whatnot. Um, and it's something that also... it. Oh, I was going to say something else, but it was around the same lines of when I talk to parents or they're kind of wondering, like, the, it seems unfeasible. But in reality, if they are going to be using any supplies, it's something you already have or it's not going to be a lot. And it doesn't mean you have to sign up for like $10,000 classes every year. And there's a heck of a lot less driving around. It's something that's going to last them forever. And it shows better on resumes as well. I mean, even if they decide not to be entrepreneurs in the future, having this like innovative mindset. Mm -hmm. it's useful anywhere and i guess that's an impact on the on the what was it on economy when we circle and, when we circle all yeah, the way back yeah well, there you, you, go. you touched on a couple of things like one willingness to try things the creativity of well i may be a bit younger so i'm not already jaded with all the things that could go wrong i'm just excited about all the things that could go right and i really yeah. love your advice about do something really simple start super basic like use the example of a lemonade stand i will not drive by a lemonade stand in my neighborhood without stopping just to support that because i do believe that's the future entrepreneurs because they took something accessible 
and they went out and I drove by on my bike when uh, recently I was just mountain biking and there was a there was a, a young a, a young man maybe eight or nine sitting out in his lemonade stand and his dad was sitting on the porch kind of coaching him and yelling things and I was like that's an amazing situation right there because they're both having fun they were smiling and laughing but they had this thing out, uh, set up as a way to engage with the public and but it was really really simple there was really the only barrier was just doing it and getting some lemonade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel that it ties back into it becomes less of an idea of this is what I want to do. Like I don't know really how to um contextualize, but there was a, definitely a difference of starting with cookies and starting with something that doesn't connect with you at all and you don't have any context for. It feels a lot more entrepreneurial if you're starting from something like a lemonade stand than trying to just like make something and there's it, it it feels more rooted feels more grounded if you're starting from something that's a little bit more you and you're a lot more excited to do it i mean the, you're gonna feel a lot happier doing it especially if you have your if you have another reason youth are have this kind of edge to them is they have their parents behind them still. They can still get advice from them and they don't have to worry about the bills. I mean, they can try and they <laughs> takes can the fail pressure, again. Takes the pressure off. Is, yeah, it yeah, it's a huge part of entrepreneurship. And they still have this um, backbone, this stability behind them, giving them everything they need. And it, it's very different than when we try to go out to university students, especially when they have to, they're just in the stages of adulting <laughs> and they're going to university and college and you're coming to them now saying you should go into this like high risk kind of you don't really actually know what you're doing and you have no idea where the resources are or and then that's usually why it takes until they're 30 and they're 40 where they realize no this is something I can start now now that I have that base behind me and I actually know what I'm doing and I'm an adult now <laughs> versus the advantages of of having all that runway when you're younger. So curious, I, this was the way when I grew up. People always, people, grownups always want to ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you, where, yeah. what path? Do you think that that's a healthy question or do you think it actually tries to pigeonhole or get you on a very specific path at a time when you should be, from what I'm hearing, exploring and trying and low risk, but try a lot of things. When people ask you that question, like what's, what's your thoughts about, is that question even right? Or is that kind of set us up for the, not the right answer? That's, I like this question. Um, I think if someone doesn't know if they like what they're trying to do, just pick something and put your dedication into that. And then that sort of helps you figure, especially for a young person starts to instill that drive, that, that grit, that, a motivation to do something and then that can be transformed to something else i'm not exactly sure if that's something that kind of relates over into adults but that's just for youth if you you don't actually have any idea what you're doing just start going around snow shoveling or kind of mowing grass or really dedicate yourself towards school and like start putting your dedication however um, and then then from that you can trans over that skill set that mindset over into something else that you actually want to do or you want to start creating that independent side of yourself um and so you're not just having to do school i found i hated just having school that's why i wanted to do something else um but that's not always the case so it could be school as well it's not a bad question but usually i know whenever i'm asked it i'm like how am i going to explain this in a way that they're not going to judge me so (laughs) it can be um a little bit of an uncomfortable question but i think the idea of you should have a goal or you should start just um not even like a schedule i guess but you should start putting you have like something that you're putting your energy towards and you're trying to do 
versus this right or wrong and it's going to be this, but versus experimenting, yeah. trying to, and it seems like our world is going more because it's so easy to try and experience different things. And we live in an environment where we're very privileged to be able to like, I love what you said, like take the risk when you're, when life isn't risky, you've got your parents, you've got a roof over your head. You can try these entrepreneurial experiments. And if it fails, it didn't really fail. You just learned and then you pivot it to something else, but give it, give it a try to at least know what about it you liked or didn't like. Yeah, and I also do recognize uh, if there are any youth listening to it. All parents are different. I was lucky to have my dad. My mom is a my mom is a different person. Um, so it has been always. All parents, all adults have their own kind of way of parenting. Um, so it can be kind of difficult. But if you put yourself and you put your drive into something, I know that once I was able to show to my mom that I this was something I was putting my energy towards and it could better my future. And she's very school oriented. Um, so I also said, this is helping my grades because now I'm actually motivated towards something. And it was honestly helping because my... Um, English and like LA and math and everything, all that is part of running a business. And so I was writing emails and I was doing all this kind of stuff. So it was actually helping me in school as well. It's not as relevant anymore with those, especially with those base skills, but there's still that mindset or that wanting to do the work kind of that's there. um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of just moved over. It started not in school, but now it's been able to transfer also into school. Um, So, yeah. So curious, uh, on your entrepreneurship journey, which I know you said mm-hmm. you're working on something, which you're kind of keeping under wraps right now, which is which is fine. We'll have to have another episode later to get into it, which, where you're going. But where do you see school for yourself, like for youth that are listening, going, I just want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I don't want to go to school. Maybe I don't like school. Maybe I find it a distraction. How important do you see the balance? And you know, depending, that's a broad question because that might change for when you're 18 versus when you're 15 versus when you were 12. But for someone listening, they're like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So that means maybe I don't school isn't as important. Do you see a balance between the two? And what's kind of your point of view on that? Well, I'll actually give you the story. I'll give you kind of a timeline of what I've done with my schooling, because it is kind of different, I guess. And especially okay. with COVID hitting, um, mm, that's also kind of interesting. Um, so I, <laughs> yes, it, yes all, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, up until whenever COVID hit, I guess, I was going to school all time. Like I was going between that uh, whatever it is, like 8.30 to 3 period. Like I was I was going to school and I did find that it was a mindset shift to go over in, from school into um, my business and like having that switch over and that like, okay, I have now all this independence. Like this is something I'm solely self-propelling. Um, so it, it was a little bit interesting, but I was able to do it. And I did my posts and my emails during the drive and my dad was there or my mom was there. And so I was able to get that advice from them. So it worked. Um, but then I hit COVID and I was online and the amount of time and Instead of school just being this chunk of time where I'm in this facility, and of course, because you can't be on your phone, so no (laughs) meetings, no nothing. I couldn't do anything um, from that, like this big chunk of time that I could be doing something. It was now just, okay, so I have my LA, I have my math, my whatever, and my whatever. And then I have these other things that I want to do. So instead of it being very two different things, they just kind of mixed together. And so I was able to be a lot more flexible with my schedule. Before, like maybe grade five and under, that's not something I would have been able to do. Right. Um, so it, it was a 
a gradual change in, I mean, maturity and uh, just kind of learning how to work with myself and like what I was doing and th those kind of things. And so now I'm doing a hybrid system uh, where I have all my options in the morning and that forces me to wake up. And then also <laughs> in the afternoon, uh, then I have, I mean, that's why I'm able to be here is because uh, at lunchtime I just walk home and then I have my core classes that I can do whenever, basically, because I instead of now it's not homework, it's just I do all my work in two hours and then there you go. Uh, so I enjoy this method. However, I know that not everybody is a, a lot of people like to have that structure and that person right there to keep them accountable. I'm now able to keep myself accountable because I want to be doing something else. Which um, also goes so, with being an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> Holding yeah. yourself accountable. Because ultimately, yeah. at the end of the day, you know what needs to get done based on your vision and your goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not everybody. No, 100%. I appreciate that. That's the, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. It's one word, but it means 50 different things to 50 different oh, people, yeah. right? If not more. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, thoughts on from a provincial perspective, and you talked about the different support networks that are out there. Would you say from your experience, and this is mm -hmm. not everyone maybe, because like you said, sometimes there's amazing programs out there, but people don't know about them. Is there a strong infrastructure out there? Are we, are we the proverbial we again, doing a good job at a province level or even a city or a municipality level where you are to really support youth? And you know, if so, what are some of the things you can call out? And if not, where do you think we could do better? I think a lot of the problems I bumped into in um, at least the Alberta ecosystem, maybe even broadly the Canadian ecosystem and maybe outside of that, is there doesn't seem to be a huge focus on retaining hmm. talent okay. and youth. Uh, I, I say youth, but talent and then there's also also youth, youth okay. talent, because uh, that's my kind of neck of the woods. And I think a lot of the problems stem from that where our development is okay, um, but we maybe don't see as much benefit from it. If we put a lot of money, let's say, into a program to develop a lot of our talent, there isn't a, like, number one thing is keep them here, um, and they leave. And we, so we don't see any of the benefit from it, that we don't see anything actually happen from putting a lot of money, so, may, so we kind of we leave it and we just have a couple of little nuggets here and there to help someone. And then if they're like this prodigy, then they really go up, but they are probably going to leave still to go somewhere where there's more of an infrastructure and they're more um, focused on retaining the talent. And that's why I see a lot of my youth uh, friends and whatnot that I bumped into that are actually in the entrepreneurship world with me. They've gone to the U S or they get a lot of their support from the U S is because they're more, well, their development, I find, is better than their mindset. It's okay. a lot better. But there's also a more, like, they're really focused on retaining the talent and keeping them there and making sure they had a good experience, that they stay there and they put money into that same uh, community or program. So it's just a different um, set of values or principles that I find. And then because we get unmotivated from not seeing any outcomes because we're not focused on retaining. Um, that's what I think the problem is. However, there's probably a lot of problems out there. It's just being on the youth <laughs> no, side of it. that's the one it, you recognize. I appreciate that. That's just the one that I really recognize. And whenever I brought it up to any of the uh, youth programs out there, but also especially the ones that I find more um, 
disappointing or just unmotivating is the entrepreneurship and um, like those kind of in that field, those supports. I go to them and I'm talking about and I say, and also you guys should be really focusing on retaining. That's what I'm trying to do right now. And they completely dismiss it or they really don't think that's the problem and they don't see Mm. why that's the problem. And I don't know if there's a better way that I could phrase it or why they don't see it as the problem. Um, But it, you need your talent to stay here or at least have a good experience here in order to come back and help the next generation mm-hmm. um, or to actually reap the benefits from your efforts. Well, it creates a cycle, right? If you're not, yeah, if, you, exactly. if, if you're not, if they're not staying, the loop is not get, is getting broken every time it comes around. Yeah, exactly. Do you see or that more even before they do anything? Do you see that at the at the corporate level, or do you think that's more at the at the program level, like whether it might be government or, or municipal, that they're not following that through, or is it kind of all parties involved? That's what I'm looking into now because okay. I've decided to um, get, go in more into this world of things. Okay. There's always something I had an interest in just because me myself, I was bumping into these problems and now only now do I really know, like, I c- can I actually vocalize them? And so that's what I'm looking into now. Um, but uh, so I don't know if it is a corporate problem, but I think it's. If it's a mindset problem, then I'm going to say it kind of goes everywhere. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And and sounds like your your current venture or your current um, pursuits or passion are living right in this space. (laughs) Yeah. 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 They're going to be going to the youth youth organizations and youth programs to start actually sharing the resources out there, sharing my own story and also giving some of those possibly the resources and the workshops that we have out there that we kind of, we just completely ignore the under 18 population and providing the same resources. Um, and which it's so funny because it's the under 18 and the people in high school underneath that were better and were faster at learning. And you <laughs> is, don't give that them is true. resources that is true. or teach them <laughs> at all in this world. And I just, I just, these little kind of things that I think are funny, and that's why I've decided to look into a little bit more. But also actually apply myself to seeing if I can help out some other youth, and also maybe find some peers, have that like-minded kind of peers nice. in the same world. Because as much as I think adults are wonderful. I also would like to have this kind of network of peers that can all support each other and then also selfishly support me if I ever have any questions. Or <laughs> well, that's, how, like, that's how us grownups yeah. do it, right? We support each other. So it's the same thing that you're looking for. I get it. Yeah. Is, what, is there too, uh, too young? It's a weird question. You mentioned like, you know, there's under 13 has a stigma and then under 18 has another one, which is often just legal in the framework that we live in. Yeah. Do you think that there's any age that's too young to start thinking this way and start the lemonade stand or the or the the coffee the coffee the the cookie sales um well first of all it's kind of important if you know how to talk so that kind of yeah. gets toddlers <laughs> yeah that rules um, out the three-year-olds yeah. toddlers, okay. but the education is always kind of there where like you I, I don't know a whole lot about the education that's again something i'm trying to learn about that's if you want to look more into that kaufman center okay. uh it's if you search up Kaufman Center, it's not going to bring you there. It's like Marion Kaufman Center. Okay. Uh, if you search up that, that organization is based in the States. Um, they kind of go into that kind of world. And so that would be a great place to look into. And they have a lot of research, but also some of the people there might be able to find some stuff. But they have, yeah, once I've looked at them for a little while now, they do have that kind of 
K to 12 and a little bit even underneath that, like toddlers starting to help with those kind of that kind of learning. But it's always the ability to help um, encourage your kid instead of patting them on the head, help them create something. And because you're probably going to know what they can do with it a lot more. I mean, I wouldn't have connected the dots to go to my dad's store or not store office and uh, sell cookies. That's something that it's it's just kind of working with what you like actually helping and supporting and trying to lift up. Um, and and uh, give them that olive branch if they want to continue going, because uh, I mean, what 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 wrong can possibly like what yes. could possibly you, like you said, go you do it, you keep it simple. You keep it something that's like yeah. grass, grassroots and kind of close to your heart, close to your soul, yeah. like you said. Yeah. And the chances of people wanting to support you is often much higher than people not wanting to support you. In my experience, yeah, especially mm-hmm. your parents. And yes. so, yeah, and that's also comes from the parents. You want to help your kid. Most likely, and <laughs> most likely, even if yes. you, you want to support them, and if it's a, like if you're more focused on the education lens, think about scholarships. If you say that your kid like started this coffee mm. enterprise for the community, that is like a gold for scholarship <laughs> opportunities. I appreciate so, looking I mean, at all the angles. It's not simply the entrepreneurship journey, but the, I do like what you said there about like the schooling and scholarships and those opportunities also yeah. go hand in hand with this type of innovative drive and creativity that you're talking about. Yeah, it's not just only entrepreneurship that you can go to. It's Completely. something that can branch out into if you decide to, if you're kind of tired of it, you can go and work for someone or it can become contractors, a little bit more scheduled to that. Or you can just solely focus on school. Like, it's not just entrepreneurship. It's something that can be alongside things. And there is nothing that people are not... Like, if someone looks at you, they're going to say, this person has drive. They want to, they, they're independent. There is nothing about those two qualities that is going to hinder you anywhere. So yes, I, they're all su- they're superpowers. So you've got an opportunity right now. I've got a, I've have, I have a very business centric audience. Is there anything that is, do you have an ask? Is there any help or anything that anyone in my community could who's listening to this podcast? And if they're still listening, that means they're bought in. They're they're thirty nine minutes in. Anything yeah. that with your new ventures or that you're currently working on, just giving you an opportunity or giving you a platform to kind of reach out. Yeah, I think it would be really, I mean, I am focused on talking to youth right now, but if there is opportunities, I can talk to parents. Um, And so if you think you're like, if you're an entrepreneur, like listening to this right now, there's an opportunity I can speak and you're wanting your own kids to kind of get into the entrepreneurship world and you're not really sure how or why, uh, or like this, any, how to get them in. You're just kind of lost on that kind of component component. Um, I, love to kind of reach out and talk to you to maybe talk to some of you, some of the kids that you're into. But um, if you do want to connect with me, uh, go to LinkedIn. That's okay. it's, I always find that LinkedIn, I mean, yeah, emails are great, but LinkedIn's a lot more, it's it less is. structured. It's a lot more, it's still professional, but it's not email. And I also check it fairly regularly. LinkedIn is my number one platform that I go on. Um, I found it's better than a lot of the other social media platforms. And I also just have better connections and it's more decision makers and whatnot that are on there. Uh, That's, I am going to, I lost my mind over how many uh, programs I've gone to and they don't encourage the entrepreneurs, especially the youth entrepreneurs to get LinkedIn accounts. 
I and, completely and agree. I, I agree with you 100%. 100%. I am shocked. And the amount of adults that still don't have it. Um, like it's just, it's a missed, it's a missed opportunity. It's, it's my yeah. most, it's my most, and for that podcast, it's where our biggest audience is. It's where we have the best engagement. Yeah. We have the best, it, it's where we have the best community. No question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Sophia yeah, yeah. Fairweather, uh, you're on here, multi-STEM award winner, founder of Key Angels and author book contributor. You have a great LinkedIn profile as well. Well done. Say, I've had it for a very long time. I got it the same time I got Twitter. And I was like seven when I got Twitter, I believe. That's and awesome. now I am basically off Twitter. I stopped using Twitter even like before COVID, I found. Just <laughs> before, before it really went to the dark times. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it it was never awesome. Um, I just found that everyone had it. So, yeah. and I was able to build a mount, like a mountain of followers very quickly. Um, but it wasn't the type of audience. And yeah, I not, did get attacked not, not always, there. The, not necessarily always the quality. Oh, did you have some? Yeah. yeah. yeah Unfortunately, been, like, there's lots of trolls and there's lots of trolls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that a lot of them like to go on is, first of all, let your kid be kid. So they actually, half of them were directed towards me and attacking my merit. The other half were, let's say, against my parents saying, why aren't you letting your kid just be a kid? Um, and so those kind of mm, things we yeah, just decided, course. you know what, kind of done with this. And everyone that I want to talk to was on LinkedIn anyways. So... Fantastic. Well, Sophia, that was a lovely conversation. Thank you for your insights and your perspective. I, re- I really appreciate it. And I believe in a diverse and inclusive uh, Western Canadian economy. So bringing the voice of youth and getting your perspective of your lived experience, but also your philosophy on how putting more youth in the game is only going to help us from an economic perspective and it's going to lift mm-hmm. everybody up and you're living it. So thank you for that. And, uh, uh, you already put your LinkedIn out there and, um, please, uh, I would encourage people to reach out. This was a great conversation and I'd love to see you speaking at more groups and kind of getting out there more, at least you, you're, you said you're in Edmonton. Do you make it down to Calgary at all? I do go to Calgary reasonably often. Actually, a lot of the contacts that I have in Alberta are in Calgary. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do make it down sometimes. I don't, I don't know when the next time I'll be down there is. I but you are like here I'm, occasionally because I know a lot of yeah, my audience yeah, is definitely in southern Alberta. Mm-hmm. Especially for adventures. I've found adventures to be a really nice Oh, treat. that's a great conference. That's fun. I really enjoyed yeah, it this year. It was, I, yeah, uh, there was some great, some good. of the keynotes were amazing this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And always the people there. It's not the same. I find that you kind of mm-hmm. get into the echo chamber of the same people. <laughs> Very much so. Um, and, and like, it doesn't matter what you do. And so I've found that somehow adventures is enabled to still get people like foreign but also still in alberta that you just mm, never yep. meet for some reason um they just don't go in the same world as you uh so it's i i i've loved it so well then i'll see you at I'll, i think i already got my ticket so i'll see you at adventures next year <laughs> yes sylvia thank you so much for your time today it was really a joy chatting with you yeah, I'm glad that you have an interest and uh, I encourage anyone here to reach out if they're just curious what I'm doing or how they can help. Uh, it is still kind of in the works right now, but I'll have a more concrete ask at some point. I'll probably do a post about it on LinkedIn, but yeah, I, I look thank forward you to for it. this. My pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you.